come before you. Lord, we pray now for the presence of the Holy Spirit that it can impart wisdom and guidance to everyone in this room, young and old. For Lord, we first come before you and declare that we just don't have it all together. There's a lot that we can learn from you. There's a lot that we need to bring before you. Lord, we bring before you our faults, our sin, our transgressions, the things that we should not have done that we did do. And Lord, we lay those things at your feet. And Lord, your word is faithful in that anything we bring to you, you recognize it and that you are faithful to forgive us. We thank you for forgiveness of sin. For Lord, we know that without forgiveness of sin, we can't have true fellowship with you. So we bring that before you now and ask that you bless us for having the desire to come to hear what your word has to say to us. Not the words of the speaker, but Lord, the words spoken through the Holy Spirit. We pray for your presence now. We pray for guidance. We pray for wisdom. We pray for understanding. We pray, Lord, that you will just bless us now and give us the ears to hear your words. And not just hear them, but take them in and reflect upon them. And we give you thanks for the results, the desire to serve you, the desire to go forward and proclaim your name. We give you the praise and thanks for all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Gus is taking a much-needed rest, and uh, we pray for him uh, that he gets that rest. There's nothing worse than going on vacation and having an agenda on your vacation. You should be able to go on vacation and relax and enjoy yourself and decide whatever you want to do, and I'm trusting that that's what he's doing right now. But I pray, I pray for him that you just keep him healthy, because that's what it's all about. He hasn't said it very openly, but he's had a very, very busy year. And I pray that he's getting this time off that he needs. Because, as my wife and I know, we look forward to vacation time uh, whenever we get it, because we need the rest. It's a good time to rest. So uh, pray for him. Pray for the family as well, too. Who's with him. And if there's nothing else, we're going to go ahead and get started. Amen. I have been actively involved in ministry uh, now for over 25 years, and I say actively involved. That includes being here at this church, a couple of churches beforehand, just doing some Sunday school here and there, but it's been over 25 years. Don't count too hard now, because that'll, that'll tell you, that'll give you a clue as to how old I am. Amen? Now, it's just a personal observation, but in that time, I have seen the actions and behaviors of many people who profess to know Jesus Christ as personal Savior. This is just my observation. I've witnessed people who serve with dedication and with a desire to truly see people come to Christ. And that's a glorious thing. When you see people around you who are truly living the Word of God, truly living and reflecting Jesus Christ in all their actions, that's a wonderful thing. Amen? You've got to get your hands a little dirty to see the first fruits of the power of the Holy Spirit working according to God's will, which is for every person to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So we understand that the whole purpose of this is that you are trying to reflect Jesus Christ to other people and that they see the love of Christ in what's going on and that they make a decision for Jesus Christ. Take a look real quick at 1 Timothy chapter 2. Let's go ahead and open our Bibles up and get them started. 
First Timothy chapter two. Understanding that what you're doing in your faith, in your service, in your actions, is exactly what God wants to see. Knowing your reason and purpose for living. Your reason and purpose for living is not just to exist. Amen? Not just to exist, not just to take up space. Children, your reason and purpose for living is to serve Jesus Christ and act in according to his will. And that's as you're interacting with, guess what, other children and even adults seeing your behavior. It says in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, I'm reading from the Holman Christian Version, This is good and it pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So it's established here in this passage as well as another one we're going to read that it's the intent that Jesus Christ exposes everyone to the gospel, to the good news about him, for the purpose of salvation. That's what he wants for everyone. Understand that that is your role in this whole thing. Let's look at another scripture. 2 Peter 3. 2 Peter 3. Verse 9. 2 Peter 3, verse 9. And understand that this is the thing that you have to recognize too. While there are many that we speak to who are believers, there are many more who are not. People that you know, relatives, friends, associates, co-workers, people that you communicate with every day who don't know the Lord. Maybe great people, nice people, people that you have friendships with. But there's still going to come a point in time where those individuals, when they hear the gospel, when they hear the information, have to respond to it. And the Lord is patient. He was patient waiting for you to make a decision. Amen? Because we were condemned, frankly, at birth. But Second Peter 3.9 says, The Lord does not delay his promise, as some understand delay, but is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, any to perish, excuse me, but all to come to repentance. If you repent, turn to Lord Jesus Christ, you will not perish. But if you don't do that, your destiny is to perish, to die in your sin. Because in your flesh, you cannot fellowship with God who is holy, unless he makes that provision. And that provision is salvation. That's the gospel message in in and of itself. Amen? Amen. See how simple it is? Or is it? It's simple if you choose to actually listen to it. But as we had discussed earlier, Some people are too arrogant to want to acknowledge it. God desires for everyone he created to be saved. Not everyone will experience his salvation. But that does not change his will. He wants everyone to be saved. But not everyone will be saved. But that doesn't change his desire. That doesn't change his will. He still wants it. But just like you can go against someone else's will and do whatever you want to do, that's exactly what happens with those who choose not to follow Jesus Christ. They make a choice. You are to live an abundant life for Jesus Christ to help people, this is for believers, help people see the love of Christ. And have the desire to recognize the need for salvation in Christ. Now, don't get me wrong. The only one that can really save you, if you don't know the Lord, is the Holy Spirit. Amen?
The Holy Spirit is the only one who can do that. However, it's still incumbent upon believers to reflect the gospel message in their words and actions for people to see and desire coming to Christ. That's important for us to see as well, too. I'm going to have to stand still today. I'm not really sure. We'll see. I've seen many hardworking people that have found a way to tap into their talents and their skills to serve Jesus Christ. They are on the front lines with their words and actions declaring the gospel message. Amen? They're on the front lines. They're up front with it. They're concerned about the people who do not know Jesus Christ. They're making themselves available to seek the lost. That's what Jesus Christ wants. He came to serve and seek the lost. Yet there are many, many more people that I have observed. Listen carefully. Who have professed belief in Jesus Christ but are absent from many church activities such as neighborhood outreach, visitations, or even the customary church gatherings. They may have even seen those that are working in the trenches for Christ, but they're not compelled to get involved. Now, as I said earlier, that's not an indictment although it could be taken as an indictment. But, listen on. It has nothing to do with how busy a person's life is. Let's start with that. The first thing that you'll do is you'll hear people make excuses why they can't do something. Amen? Everybody listen, please say amen. 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 Kids too, by the way. Amen? I'm looking at you. I just point you out. That's all. Understand that is nothing to do with how busy a person's life is. That's an excuse. Because even the busiest people still have a desire to jump in somewhere, wherever they are, for work for the kingdom from time to time. No matter how busy you are, you'll find a place to serve the Lord if you really love the Lord. You're going to find a place to do it. May not be a church, may not be a church activity. It may be at your job. It may be doing some sort of a community service. It may be working in a food shelter. It may be working in a, in a, in a, in a shelter or, or a food bank. But the bottom line is that you're finding the time to do it. It has nothing to do with how busy you are. If you use that for an excuse, then Satan has you. Amen? I'm just putting it out there. Because most of us are busy. Amen? We, we have busy lives. We don't, we don't apologize for that, being busy. Stuff happens where you're going to be busy. But that doesn't stop you from doing what's right when it comes to serving the Lord. So let's not question the motivation of those people who are kind of on the sidelines or even give consideration to the authenticity of their faith because that wouldn't be fair either. But I conclude that these people who can readily watch others working for the gospel just don't get it. They just don't get it. They just don't get it. Now, what is the it that they don't get? It. What is the it that they don't get? Let's talk about that. For this discussion, it refers to a believer's progression within their relationship with Jesus Christ. I'll repeat that again. The it thing that they need to get is the believer's progression within their relationship with Jesus Christ. There has to be progression. There has to be a growth. Once you become saved by Jesus Christ, there must be progression within that relationship. 
It's not that you just get saved and that's all there is. There has to be more to it. That's the it that I'm talking about. A progression where service is not seen as a duty or as an act of drudgery. You know how it is. How many of you like to clean the toilet? Amen? Well, it's something that has to be done. Amen? But if you had a different approach to it, you'd know that for one thing, it's healthy for you to do it. It's right for you to do it. And it looks a whole heck of a lot better than splatter. Amen? A clean toilet wins out every time. But you've got to get in there and get it cleaned up. But that necessarily shouldn't be an act of drudgery. It's something that you should do because it needs to be done. So you'll see where I'm going with this. And please don't go away and say, all Melvin talked about on Sunday was about cleaning the toilet bowl. Please don't do that. We got it on tape, so you can't do it. Amen? It shouldn't be seen as a duty or act of drudgery. It should be when a believer equates service with the love for other people as a reflection of Jesus Christ. In other words, you're doing it because you love other people. You care about other people. You care about what happens to them. This progression, now listen to this because this is very true. This progression that I'm talking about is something that not every believer is going to attain. That's a fact. Because some believers, they may believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, but then they plateau. They're not going to attain it. They're always going to be sidelined viewers. They're always going to observe other people doing all this stuff. That's a hard thing to say. But if you really think about it, look at this logically. Why is it in most churches you've got the Pareto principle all over again, where 20% of the people in the church do 80% of the work? Now, we're all supposed to be in church, and we're all supposed to be serving the Lord, but you've got a certain number of people, one out of five, that's in the trenches. And the other four? I'll leave that up to you to think about that. This progression that I'm talking about, this it, requires a devotion to Jesus Christ that must continue throughout the life of a believer. Notice I said throughout the life of the believer. Once you become saved, you progress, you progress, you progress throughout your life. Not just for a short period of time. Not like you're in college. It's a progression that takes place throughout your life. When you become a believer, it's done with the immediate acknowledgement and of the need for Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And you do it with humility. You do it with repentance and with a desire for a new life trajectory. Now, Everyone knows this, but let's go to 2 Corinthians 5.17. Everyone knows that this progression involves a change in you. There must be a change. You remember what you used to do before you became a believer, amen? I know what I used to do, and it wasn't all cool. And there has to be a change in your way of thinking, in your philosophy, in all the things that you're involved in, and God has to be the one to orchestrate that change in you through the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 5.17, English Standard Version. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Now, you guys have heard this before. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. If there's something new that's come, you need to act like it. If something new has happened in your life, it's time to act like it. 
Ain't no going back before. Well, what if I had so-and-so as a girlfriend now and all blah, 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 blah. Are you out of your mind? Something new has to take place in your life. The old is gone. The new is here. What are you going to do with it? That's progression in a positive way. If you're dwelling on the past, if you're looking at the past, if you have regrets of the past or wondering about what would it be like if I did something different then, what would happen now? You're wasting your time. It's a waste of time. You can't go back and do anything about that. And even if you did, you probably would be in a worse situation than you are now. If the old has passed away, leave it in the past. He's making you into a new creation. It's time to go forward. Because I know you don't regret having Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, do you? Do you? Time to move forward. His grace and mercy has you where you are right now. Remember, he's patient. I didn't come to know the Lord until I was 26 years old. I got to go back and reflect. There are a lot of folks who died before they got to be 26 years old. Who couldn't make a decision for the Lord Jesus. That's where you need to leave it. It's time to do the new things. It's time to move forward. Your life, your new life in Christ now begins. And in the same way a child grows into adolescence, your relationship with Jesus Christ consists of a series of growth spurts. Growth spurts. You know how you're buying kids for your clothes when they're younger, and all of a sudden the, the, the boy puts the pants on, he's got floodwater pants on? Time to go buy some new pants. Because he went through a growth spurt literally overnight. Put them pants on the day before, they were right down to his ankles. The next day, they're on his calves. How does that happen? That's a growth spurt. Shirts too small. Girls' dresses too tight. Time to go shopping. Growth spurts. Guess what? That's what we all go through. We go through growth spurts. We go through these moments where we're growing very actively in the Lord. We're learning more about the Lord. Those are growth spurts. That's what you should be doing. A series of growth spurts. It is now an ongoing training of life experience progression where you develop a heart of flesh. A heart of flesh which is a sincere concern for the fate of the lost. You recognize what Jesus Christ has done for you. Amen? You know that you were not worth saving, but he saved you anyway. He blessed you with the presence of the Holy Spirit when you took on the power of Christ in your life. When you asked for forgiveness for your sin, you recognized that he was Lord of your life. That was it. Now it comes to a greater understanding. What does that mean for people that you come before? You want to see them get saved too. That's a progression. A heart of flesh. A sincere concern for the fate of the lost. Only Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit, can even give you the desire to do that. To be that person in change. He gives you that desire. But the only way you're going to get that desire is if you keep developing and growing your relationship with Him. If you just sit on the sidelines, if you flip through your phone, if you're checking what's going to be on TV later today, if you're thinking about what you're going to go to do to rent a Netflix thing you know, while you're sitting in here, then you just have to think about that for a moment. Progression. Constant progression. Growth spurts. Why do we need more believers who really get it? 
It is because of the millions and millions of people in this world who are lost. We need more believers to get it because there's a lot of lost folks. And there are, notice that there are very few places where you can see the evidence of Christ in this world today. Even in other churches, you don't always see it. Amen? Ooh. Did I say something? Even in other churches, you don't see Christ. Praise the Lord that he's here. If he, well, let's put it this way. If he wasn't here, I wouldn't be here. Let's start with that. If he wasn't here, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be talking to you. I'd be telling my wife, let's go. Because we've had that conversation. The moment something happens in a church where just Christ decides to leave, take the covering off, just like the, the, the seraphim flying away and then in the glory passing away from the church, I wouldn't be here. But people need to have discernment. If the Lord is not in the church, what are you doing sitting in there? Now it comes down to, why do you go to church? You going to church for the social club? Sorry, I just veered off there for a moment. Thanks for allowing me to do that. There are many people who are lost because they don't know Jesus Christ as Savior. And the tragedy of this is that many don't even know they're lost. A lot of folks don't even know they're lost. You ain't looking to find something if you don't think you're lost. This is like driving down the street. Won't ask for directions. Oh, I might be lost. I won't acknowledge it. I just keep driving. Won't ask for direction or nothing. Why do guys do that anyway? Just if you don't know where you're going, just say something. You drive 500 miles somewhere. and Man, we should have went back that way. Acknowledge you're lost. Now I, make, I make light of that, but a lot of people live that way. They don't acknowledge they're lost. They don't know they're lost. They're in spiritual darkness because of sinful behavior and willful disobedience. They have the opposite of a heart of flesh. They have a heart of stone. Rabbi Zacharias noted in his podcast, The Lostness of Men, the worst effect of sin is the enslaved spirit. That's the worst effect of sin. It's the enslaved spirit. They think they're free, but they're actually in slavery. They're enslaved by their sin. Sinful behavior gives the sinner the illusion that he is free to do whatever he pleases. In fact, he is a slave of sin. When it comes to the heart of the unbeliever, it is a heart of stone that prefers conforming to the world instead of seeking Jesus Christ. Because of this, Zacharias noted that man is condemned eternally without Christ. That's from 2 Thessalonians 1. Verses 8 through 10. As sin is not just an act, it's an attitude. Sin is an attitude. That's a regular way of thinking. The failure of the lost to acknowledge Christ as Savior results in dire consequences. There is eternal condemnation and separation without Christ. We talked about the rich man and Lazarus this morning. The rich man knew exactly what he was doing before he died, which was living a life without the Lord and was willing to do it and would see Lazarus laying outside of his gate, sick and dying, and never tend to him. He had plenty of food. He had plenty of things that he could have done to help Lazarus, but chose not to. Sin is an attitude. So when you look at people who are less fortunate than you and you make a decision when you have the ability to help them not to do something, that's your attitude, everybody. 
Here's a very important point. People who are lost as a result of all this need to see the love of Christ as often as possible. They need to see it as often as possible, all day long, every day, if they can. If they're lost, they've got to see Christ somewhere in their presence as often as possible. More believers need to see the importance of this. We need to understand this. They need to see the love of Christ as often as possible. All the world's confusion and unrest today reflects the importance of believers possessing the it factor as being more important than ever before. The it factor has to be present in the life of a believer in order to effectively proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. You will not proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ if you don't get it. If it ain't important to you, you ain't going to talk about it. Amen? If it's not important to you, why would you talk about it? I can talk about going to Savannah and Hilton Head all day long for anybody who wants to listen to me. Because I love going to Savannah and Hilton Head. The beauty, the culture, the history, and some big time history too. Martin Luther King used to hang out down there. But that's what I love to do. But guess what? If you don't love Jesus Christ, you're not going to talk about him. You won't say anything to anybody. That's your attitude. That's something you have to work on. In order for this growth to take place, the Holy Spirit is the one who enables this progression to participate in Christ's Great Commission. What's the Great Commission? Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Everybody know what that verse is? Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. That happens to be the verse that we follow as a church. Going into all the world and preaching the gospel. Amen? That's what it's about. A.B. Simpson refers to this progression as sanctification. That's a word that you'll hear in the Alliance a lot. Sanctification. What is sanctification? It is the growth of one's relationship with Jesus Christ that promotes behavioral and relational change in the life of a believer. Remember we said there's a change that's take place? There has to be a relational change with Jesus Christ and a behavioral change. Your behavior is going to change in a way that you will be able to speak about Christ to other people. The more you know, the more you grow, the more you learn, the more you can share with other people. It's a progression. Remember, you should always be progressing in this. And look, I'm not perfect. I'm not even going to try to pretend and say I'm anywhere near where I would like to be. I'm still working on it. And any believer who's sincere and honest about that is saying, I'm still working on it. I'm getting better, but I'm still working on it. You aren't going to admit to yourself you're getting worse. The Spirit will have to deal with you on that one. Amen? Jesus is the source of our sanctification. It begins with the desire of a believer to separate from sin. You have to have the mindset on a daily basis, I'm going to live a life separate from sin. And you know why you have to do that? Because you sin every day. Amen? I heard about four people say that. Amen. Amen. You sin every day. But you have to come back and say, i got to do better than that. I have to live a life separate from sin. The moment you don't separate yourself from your sin, you're not progressing. You're stuck where you're at. You're not going to grow. You're not going to learn. You can't have fellowship with Jesus Christ. Simpson, A.B. Simpson, though the sanctified Christian is separated from sin, from an evil world, even from his own self, and from anything that would be a separating cause between him and Christ in the new life. 
Yeah, even your own heart deceives you. So you have to have the mindset that you've got to separate from that. Repent, allow for Christ to forgive you, and move on. And now learn and grow in him. Along with the separation from sin, there has to be a dedication to God and a conformity to the likeness and will of God, which are the critical growth spurts that every believer is to experience as one yields to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit deals with you every day. Every day. But you've got to acknowledge His presence every day. He wants to teach you every day. Now, I'll confess with you, I don't learn something every day like I should. He wants to teach you every day. But you have to be willing to be taught. Amen? A sanctified Christian is submissive and obedient, Simpson says. He desires the divine will above everything else in life as kinder and wiser for him than anything else can be. In other words, you've got to believe that the Lord Jesus Christ is the most important thing in your life for your development. And nothing surpasses that. Not your job, not money, not your cars, not your toys, not your video games, not your TVs, not your Xbox. Amen? Don't get quiet on me now. Because all that stuff can get in the way. If it's more important than Jesus Christ, it will get in the way. This progression within sanctification reflects God's love to everyone that the believer comes into contact with. That's what people need to see. It's God's love. They need to see God's love in you. And he wants to fellowship with other believers. He wants to turn those hearts of stone into hearts of flesh. A greater propensity for humility and obedience in a consistent practice of godliness before others. Humility and obedience. You cannot be changed unless you are humbled and obedient to the word. You've got to be humble and obedient. Go to Ezekiel 36 real quick. Ezekiel 36, I want to read you something, um, well, you can read along with me, um, about what God does to you when you fellowship with him. He wants you to have a heart of flesh. And this is going to be actually in this passage. Ezekiel 36, we're going to look at verses 25 through 28. And I'm going to be reading from the Holman version. Ezekiel 36, verses 25 through 28. From the Holman Christian Center Bible. Notice the power of Christ, the power of God in sanctifying you. That's what he wants. And that's what he can do for you. But you also have to recognize his presence. It says, I will also sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and all your idols. Remember all those things I just mentioned? The Xbox, the cars, the TV. The... Those are idols. Those are all things that we can relate to today as idols. Certainly meant something different back then, but today it's all those things I talked about. He has to cleanse you from that. He has to give you the desire to say, those things are less important and Jesus Christ is much more important. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will place my spirit within you and cause you to follow my statutes and carefully observe my ordinances. Then you will live in the land that I gave your fathers. You will be my people and I will be your God. He's giving you through this sanctification, the desire to serve him. To want to serve him. Not as acts of drudgery, 
but because he's doing these things to you and for you, you want to do these things for other people. Because you see how good he's been to you. You realize you don't do anything sometimes until you realize how good it has been for you. Because you can't articulate it any other way. Because all you can do is say, the Lord has been good to me because this, this, and this. And what he's done for me. And having that desire and to express that, it gives you the desire to say, I want this for you too. Because that's what God wants. But you have to get it to do it. In order for people to, without Christ, to be compelled to leave their lost state of being, they need to see the love of God as often as possible. This is the it factor. They need to see it. It's not a given that a believer grasps this sanctification, this it factor. A.B. Simpson said, many people make a mistake about some of these steps. Check this out. This is A.B. Simpson. Some of them are clinging to a little of their old goodness and therefore meet with failures. Check that. This is A.B. Simpson talking. What's this old goodness? I'm a good person. I've always been a good person. You're missing the point. Your goodness will never match up to God's goodness. Others stumble at the second step. They do not see Jesus as their complete sanctifier. And many cannot take the third step and make a complete surrender of everything to him. A lot of people stumble there too. Remember what Jesus told the rich man, the rich young man? Sell all your possessions and give money to the poor. Knowing full well that man would never do that. Because that money was special to him. Couldn't give it up. That's how we have to get the it factor. Nothing else matters but Jesus Christ. Nothing else matters. And look, this is not an indictment against money. We all have to have money to live, amen? Amen. We have to be able to have a place to live and function. Keeping in mind, a lot of folks don't have money and a lot of folks don't even have a place to live. Now, that should bring you back to how blessed am I to have what I have? Amen? Because a lot of folks ain't got what you got. That's where you need to go. And I don't care if you've only got a little bit of money, too. Let's say you make $14,000 a year, whatever it is, just above the poverty level, what it is. You got more than a lot of folks have got. You're blessed. You may not have a lot, but you got yourself. You've got your health. You're living every day. You may not be eating filet mignons every day, but you can show put some beans and rice on a plate in front of you and eat them. And you got a lot. Shoot, open up a pack of Uncle Ben's rice. You got to... Amen. That's right. Spice it up a little bit. You know, rice will get boring after the fifth or sixth day. Do something to it. But do you understand my point? Even if you don't make a lot of money, you are still blessed. You have much more than a lot of people. That alone is worth praising God. That's what you have. He's given you that to live. So you can relate to, guess what? Other folks who don't have as much, just like you. You can speak to them. You know what? I don't have a whole lot, but I've got Jesus. He is taking me through this. He's kept me healthy. He's my sun and shield. Multitudes fail even when they have taken these steps in not being able to believe that Jesus receives them. That's A.B. Simpson again. The flesh 
the reminders of the past life or confusion from life's distractions can keep a person from making progress. The moment you allow the past to creep in, the moment you start thinking you wish you had more or should be doing more or you're not as blessed as other people, the moment you start taking your focus off of Jesus Christ, you're in trouble. You're in deep trouble because you're not going to progress. Now you're allowing the world to become much more important than what Jesus Christ has done for you even to this point. First of all, it's not a given that you should live. He's giving you life. Start there. Let God's strength, don't let Satan wreck your relationship. Don't let, and this, I'm speaking to the young people, don't let Satan wreck your relationship with him. Satan will wreck that relationship if you allow it to happen. He will damage you because he would like nothing better than to attack our youth and keep them thoroughly confused. Looking at the world and looking at the pleasures of the world rather than looking at Christ. It's not popular to be a follower of Jesus Christ as a child. Not popular in school. That's why I need to pray for them. And keep them, and bathe them in prayer. Amen? Go to Ephesians chapter 6. Let's take a look at verses 10 through 13. We're moving along here. Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 13. This is for everyone, not just for the youth, by the way. Because you're going to have things in the world that are going to distract you to the point where you have to just rely upon the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit to get you through from moment to moment. That's also progression too. Because the moment something bad happens, the moment that that takes place, you need to be putting on the full armor of God. And don't hesitate to do it. Don't wait ten minutes later when you should have done it ten minutes before. Finally, be strengthened by the Lord in His vast strength. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the tactics of the devil. For our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the world powers of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavens. This is why you must take up the full armor of God, so that you may be able to resist in the evil day, and having prepared everything, to take your stand. Sometimes you have to progress by taking a stand in Christ. Not losing ground but you're growing even in that process. The believer who is still trying to get it must see the urgency and importance of a progressive development in a relationship with Jesus Christ. In order to develop that heart of flesh, he must be willing and strive to learn more about Jesus Christ. How do you do that? First of all, read the Bible. Amen? Reading the Bible daily. How are you going to know what God wants you to do if you're not reading the Bible? That's his word communicating with you. And not just reading it, but getting deeply into its meaning. Really digging deep. Reading it and studying it. Investigating it. Getting deep into the word. Knowing Jesus means knowing his word as much as possible. Now look, as you're living and breathing every day, the word should be part of your daily reading. You should be reading. A little or a lot, but reading. On a plan or not, but reading. Preferably a plan. Use references or commentaries to provoke and compel thought to create a greater understanding of who Jesus Christ is. It's okay to start reading, but now look at what other people are writing as well too. Help to provoke you to think more about what this word means to you. 
You're going to go in depth now. If you're growing, that should be a natural progression of your life. You want to learn more. Next, meditate on his word. It's one thing to read it, but now you've got to stop and reflect on what you're reading. Meditate on his word. In Psalm chapter 1, it's about the person who loves the Lord so much, he loves the word, he meditates on it day and night. That should be part of your philosophy as you progress in Christ. Meditate on the word. Third thing is to act on his word through obedience. You recognize the importance of his word. You should be living in such a way where you're obedient to his word. Remember, the only way that you can love God is through what? Obedience. You cannot love him any other way. This is not a lovey-dovey thing. This is about obedience. This is about how he loves you and much more than a lovey-dovey thing. The only way you can love him back is through obedience to his word and acting accordingly. Living a life of obedience. Remember, if you live a life of obedience, guess what everybody sees? You being obedient to your Lord Jesus Christ. They see a difference in you instantly when you're living that way. Instantly. It means something. A believer who's closely following Jesus Christ impacts the world around him with the presence of Christ in everyday life. Remember, what we just get through saying, people need to see the Lord Jesus Christ as often as possible. Those who don't know the Lord need to see it as often as possible. Well, you're part of that. Next, grow each day in sanctification. The Holy Spirit enables the believer with the capacity and capability to progress over time to learn more about Jesus and resist those things that can hamper the relationship. In other words, it's about growing and learning more and sinning less. Amen? Sinning less. That's what growth is. And finally, enduring. That's part of that whole armor of God thing we're talking about. Enduring each day through any hardship or difficulty, you glorify God. The most amazing thing that can happen in your life is when you are... Everybody knows you're going through a hard time. Everybody knows you're going through difficulty. But you don't react the same way that folks who don't do it, you know, don't know the Lord do it. They see something different in you, even through hardship, and they wonder, who is it that this person is trusting? And then you can share, it's Jesus Christ. I would not be able to get through this without him. People who don't know the Lord need to see evidence of Jesus Christ as often as possible. And that's one way that you can do that. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4 says in the Holman Version, Consider it a great joy, my brothers, whenever you experience various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. But endurance must do its complete work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Notice that it says mature. You are getting more and more mature as you do this. And you're not lacking anything because you have Jesus Christ. All that other stuff is not important anymore. If you have Jesus Christ, nothing else matters. You might have picked up on the fact that the five points of progression development that I mentioned make up that acronym IMAGE. Something I've mentioned before, for those who have heard it before, it's fitting that you live out this image in Christ. Because number one, you were created in his image. In Genesis chapter 1, verses 26, you are created in his image. You have an image to live out. He wants you to live a life for Jesus Christ. Why is it important? To live a life for him that becomes more fulfilling and fruitful as you are sanctified in his presence. Next, he desires for you to experience the fulfillment of the love of Christ and share it with others through your words and actions. That's for young folks, all folks, everybody. People should see Christ. Now, the Holy Spirit teams up with you on that. 
And with the power of the Spirit, you can show the love of Christ to anyone and everyone you come in contact with. That's everywhere you go. Grocery store, school, church. Amen? Everybody sees it. The strong believer in Jesus Christ truly gets it. Gets it. Amen? He is willing to live openly for Jesus Christ and is compelled to reach the lost because Jesus wants the very same thing. To seek and save the lost. That's from Luke 19.10. That's what you want. That's what he wants. A believer who is still learning about it means to live a life of totality for Christ and that person will soon get it. But you've got to continue to seek the Lord Jesus Christ with all of your heart. It can't be a half-hearted effort. You can't just say, I'm going to seek Jesus one day and I'm going to put him aside another day and then come back. This has to be a sincere thing that you do each and every day with all of your heart. What does Jesus say? In Matthew 22, verse 37, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Guess what? That's the gospel. Amen? That's the gospel. You're living the gospel when you do that. Because if you're loving your neighbor, that means your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ is so fulfilling, that's just going to spill out and your neighbor's going to see that and see the love of Christ in you. That's the gospel. There's a great need for people to join Christ in the Great Commission and seek the lost. A great need. There's a lot at stake. And it's for all eternity. Matthew 9, verses... Turn to to Matthew 9. I want you to read one more verse with me. Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38. And we'll be closing out. Matthew nine thirty five through thirty eight. From the Holman version. Then Jesus went out to all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, now check this out, he felt compassion for them because they were weary and worn out like sheep without a shepherd. That's the world. That's the world we live in. Some people don't realize it, but they're weary and worn out. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the harvest. Send out workers. No excuse for sitting on the sidelines if you're a believer. You understand what's at stake. Seeking and saving the lost. And don't wait to speak to someone. You don't know if you ever will be able to speak to them again. If you don't get it, and if you don't get it, I pray that you do. And that you do it very soon. The body of Christ needs your help to reach the lost. Amen? Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you for the power of your word through the Holy Spirit. We thank you for giving us the desire to seek you more and more. We thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray now that you would just shower us with your presence, that you will give us the desire to learn more about you each day starting today and truly growing and progressing and learning in our faith and trust in you. 
Lord, we know that we cannot do anything without you. We cannot, do, we cannot live without you. You must sustain us. We thank you for giving us what we have right now. We thank you for recognizing how you've blessed us. Help us to be able to share with other people how we've been blessed, how you have kept us, how we would not have anything without you being involved. For it's not anything on our efforts that we have what we have. It's because of how you have blessed us. Help us to freely communicate that with other people who may not understand that. And we thank you, Lord, for the lessons that come, not just for those who hear those words, but even for us, to remind us of how we are dependent upon you, how we need to be prayerful to you, how we need to trust in you, how we need to regularly fellowship with you, how we need to study your word and meditate on it each day. We thank you, Lord, for your presence. Bless us now, Lord, and we thank you and give you all praise in Jesus' name. Amen.